the record and for the benefit of any future legal case russell brand <laughs> radio x you are listening to the russell brand podcast on radio x this is the bit that's before the podcast now thank <laughs> you for downloading it i appreciate it very much g's here you right, g yeah real good it's let's a... take this chance while matt morgan's out of the room he's to gonna say... be annoyed that we started without him he and here he comes good. hello darling and he's annoyed what have you come back with a spoon spoon to eat a salad with yeah that's like him that's literally like Life of Brian. You went looking for something else. You've come back with a spoon. Absolute codswallop. I'm eating a delicious... We started. Found this spoon, sir. Oh, we All right, look. Meet us around the back. The radio show will be on now. And then we'll come back and we'll do some very adult content. If you know, want to know what I mean by adult, try this on for size. Fuck. <laughs> yeah? Hear that? No, no, no. Hold on. Now, we're going to do the radio show. What? Matt, what are you having? Some sort of chickadee salad? No, yeah, it's lovely. From Crush. Oh, stop it. Available at... <laughs> you're not going to the work do tonight. You'll create a bad atmosphere. You're not going. That's what creates a bad atmosphere. You're not going. Think do you want me to go? Like... Yes, I think you should what, go. Down a bowling alley. You have to wear those special shoes. It's undignified. Just, just pop in. Just pop bowl. in, give them a wave. I've got a dog bowl. Now listen. <laughs> right, now listen. <laughs> Let's just look. We've had a... This radio show we've just done. Was a load of shit. <laughs> it was not. It was broadcasting at its best. I think when when uh, Cecil Kettle invented the radio, it was broadcast such as this that he had in mind. If you think we're going to take Cecil Kettle's name in vain after he's invented radio waves, I don't think so. So let's have a listen to this show. Why don't you remember your best bits? Then come back round the back. You'll see me. No, all round the back. We've already done that. No, this is the front. No, the front bit. Front this ending. This is the front. Let's get confused with the front and the back. Oh, no. Oh. Well, I'm so not missing it. Oh, now. <laughs> Russell Brand. Radio X. It's Sunday. It's 11. Apparently that was Coldplay. But we've literally no evidence of that fact because I've not seen Chris Mine since I moved out of Bellside Park. I don't go out at ride night the beat. after ride the, the dark. Beat. I'm riding the beat. What do you think I'm doing? No, you're riding all over the beat. All right, listen, you. I've still got my stabilisers on when it comes to beat riding. That over there was Matt Morgan. This is Russell Brand on Radio X. It's just after 11. You all right, mate? Yeah, I'm good, actually. I feel a bit weird. Why? You are weird. Oh, yes. That'll be why it is. Mr G's here. He'll be summarising this soon in the form of a poem. You're right, mate? Yeah, yeah, real good. Dedicating your whole life to helping others, are you? Um, yeah, doing lots of bits and pieces. Um, you know, trying my best. You're essentially quite selfish, though. Quite a selfish man, deep down. <laughs> very selfish. Ah, you, I guess you recognise the core that reflects. Hurtful, Ooh. very hurtful. You're on the ropes there. Polish the mirror within. Polish the mirror within. Right, it's going to be a, a fantastic show today. We've got, well, I'm going to be raising the cultural bar extremely high. Glass panel mania has reached fever pitch. There are literally people gathering in the streets outside, demanding to be Foolish. behind a glass Foolish. panel. Problem is, Behaviour from Russell. Got tweeting, done wrong. tweeting without clearing it with Global or Radio X or any of the grown-ups. Mm. He just said, "I'm coming. We're going to do a show in a minute. Everyone, two children, two lucky children, like some <laughs> panicking Willy Wonka. Health and safety. Yeah, no health and safety. You've offered two. What is it? Two girls and boys well, that is come what up. Willy Wonka done, and it, except these are adults. Oh, at least he, there was a long planning. Well, because of all the process. ticketing and that. Tickets Still were made, random. sent out. Still random, and I don't think it was fair. I mean, I think nine of those children were killed. I think the chances <laughs> of it all being opened by children 
Huh? I mean, they don't address that fact, do they? No, they don't. Well, what about... An adult could have opened one. Easily. And what about that fella with the factory, Roy Kinnear? He was having squirrels opening nuts up. And, well, listen, I got sidetracked. Look, let's not get bogged down in the... The infrastructure behind the golden ticket. We know basically it's flawed. Coming up over the course of this show, excuse me, 18 minutes of adverts, six songs. We're going to be learning about Egyptology, if you can imagine that. There are going to be some people by or behind a glass panel. They aren't actually allowed behind a glass panel because it's too dangerous behind the glass panel. Is that right, Neil, the, the adult producer? We've still got. It is too. It's too dangerous. It's is it? a bit tight to get in there. Yeah, it's a bit of health and safety. I think they'd be fine move. behind that glass panel. Yeah, but you are not a health and safety person, you are you? Say that clearly. I care about health and/or safety. No, you don't. Do not. Not those of the listeners who'll be wedged <laughs> in a place that's not for people. That'd be lovely. That is, that, that is, that, that is essentially be the gap panel. between two pieces of glass in double glazing. Yeah, that's not a place to go and hang out. There was. There's carpet in it. Isn't there? There's carpet on the walls in this place. It's bonkers. Well, listen, What's I think the... that, look, so I, I say, a let's guide. go and get the people, Neil. Hoard them up here. You've got one of your... I've your... got the great James Taylor coming in. James Taylor? Who's, was he basically your hookup for freebies? He's <laughs> provided me with an unwanted, he assured mm. me, uh. PlayStation virtual reality helmet. Is that his jacket on the back of that chair? It's my jacket. So How dare put, you? You've put your jacket on the back of James Taylor's chair. Oh, you're cosy him right up. <laughs> it's not tortoise that you're putting away for the winter months. No. He might. might have something back, mightn't he? He might, he might, he might. Okay, so we're going to be doing a Grand Hancock about Egyptology. I'm sick and tired. That's amazing, by the way. Because you've brilliant. gone straight to the top there of the people. Top of the pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> He's here all week. We're going to solve the riddle of the Sphinx. <laughs> anyway, we are going to do I read all an interesting things. book called I Don't Believe Geezer that. Power Plant about how the. Uh, Who wrote that? Ray Winston. <laughs> <laughs> Geezer. Power plant. G-I-Z-A. Yeah, what's it about, mate? It's a Z sometimes. Um, the, the pyramid was a power station. Yeah. And a lot right. of those little tunnels and doors were actually like battery compartments and stuff. It's compelling. Everyone else I've lent it to laughed at it. There's James Taylor. Is James, James Taylor's Taylor? finally here. Matt's right, prepared you a nest over there. That's yeah. your nest. That's your dwelling. Go He's the man who wrote the um, Emery, board. Emery board for you. Ah, well, that was a fantastic gift and I very much enjoyed it. Are we going to, I say, look, let's just start off with a bit of silence for Remembrance Day, because we are, this is Remembrance Day. I think it's Day. built into the news. I don't think you have to do it. I want to do it. Come on, just do a oh, bit of silence. <clears throat> don't cough on it. It's intense, isn't it, a silence? Mm, like, my yeah. mind did turn to the those that gave their lives. Mm. Oh, it's, well, You're not, uh, doesn't it, like, I remember when we were at Radio 2 and they said, if you go silent, a thing kicks in called Evergreen. Because yeah. the machines panic and think something's gone wrong. Now, what I do remember is them people that give them their lives in them wars. There was people from backgrounds like ours, normal people, men and women, giving their lives yep. for, for various reasons. I think it was just... They were forced to, most know, of them. It mostly. And animals, weren't they? There's that... They had yeah. no choice. They had no choice. There's their monument. They had pigeons. no choice. So, but, and then, I wonder, in the remembrance, can you remember people from... All nations as well. Yeah, of course. You remember them all. Oh, yeah, it's not just our side that we're remembering. It's In a way, I think it's people sacrificing their life for a greater ideal, for mm. a greater good of all nations. It's a quite a poignant and sad thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's also that thing, um, is it Siegfried Sassoon said? Dolce and decorum est pro patria more. You know that thing, like it's right and good to die for your country. He said that's the biggest lie. Yeah. So it's also a little bit of like... There Come on, lads. There's some complexity, isn't it? Yeah. Would you, uh, if we were all conscripted, would you? Uh, I'm sure yes, they'd be yeah. straight on the phone to you, of course. Well, aren't we too old now? 
Yeah, we are actually. But we'd, we'd be dad's, dad's army. army. That'd we'd be, be good. Dad's yeah. army. We'd be good at that. Right. We'd be good at that. Of course we would. Shut up, Wilson. Yeah, uh, really think that's wise. So. <laughs> yes, come on. Yeah, we'll be a whale of a time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be yeah, we'll run things. All right, so listen, so we've we've done a bit of commemorating because yep. it is a sort of a, a beautiful occasion. We'll think of our relatives that was in the army. Graham Hancock's going to come up. He's going to give us the score on Egyptology. We've got in hard. We've got at the top. Someone called Oscar Schwartz, an AI expect uh, expert. Will robots be able to write poetry? Well, if they do, the day that a robot comes up with a rhyme. Mr. G is out of a job because I would think of the money we'd there. save on Freddo's. <laughs> Even uh, on Freddo's alone, we would save a fortune. So we're going to have an AI expert called Oscar Schwartz. We've got Graham Hancock. There's, there's this. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic show. I've got loads of things. I've written down notes. A cultural bar is going to get raised sky high with a book that Matt has bought me on myths of Middle India. I opened it up. It came straight open on the page. 253, the human body, of all the sexual organs, says Havelock Ellis in a justly famous passage, the penis is without doubt that which has most powerfully impressed the human imagination. It's the very emblem of generation, and everywhere men have contemplated it with a mixture <laughs> of reverence and shuddering awe. That are sometimes during the awe. Yeah, even among civilized people, amounted to horror and disgust. So that's uh, the cultural bar's been raised very high. Matt will be dazzling us with some inventions, and in the corner will be James Taylor, a man who's been positioned there <laughs> so that Matt Morgan can keep a steady flow of freebies. Oh, it's, he's given what he can give. <laughs> Have you got more? What this if you is... needed an organ? I expect you'd look straight to James sort of Taylor. Organ. What sort so, of organ? Oh, an organ. Yeah, not like, like a, a kidney, like a kidney or a spleen or one of your livers. Yeah, needed if he was the right blood group, then of course. <laughs> if he died in the process, then James, we would have a minute silence. Minute silence. <laughs> That's right. You would be honoured with a bit of silence. Uh, not the full minute, obviously, because uh, you're right, James. You enjoying the experience so far? Well, you keep calm. Now, uh, what about um, the rest of the people that are supposed to be by the glass panel? When are they going to be escorted up here? I think Diego's getting them. Diego's going to get them. Diego will be escorted. This won't go wrong, then. Glass. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you criticise my Diego. He's as good as gold, that boy. Oh, flinchy Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Shell shock. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good lad. Look, let me just read you. Let me, if you don't believe glass panel mania is sweeping the nation, it bloody well is. Look at this. This is from Will. I'm a huge fan of the show, he says. I should be allowed to come to the live show and sit behind a glass panel when he's used the correct capitals for that because last month I turned 30, split with my long-term girlfriend, have now been forced to move in with admittedly nice strangers. If that weren't enough, I'm also waiting for some biopsy results. Results will arrive before the live show. We could make it a feature. Love, Will. We up the live... When is the live show? 17th it's the 17th. 17th of December, there's 30 seats. Will they be behind a glass panel? <laughs> no. Well, we rig something up. For in you. the meantime, I think we need to get health and safety insurance for two people per week to be behind a glass panel. They'll be trapped between two bits of glass there amongst the blue bottles. So today, though, they'll be by a glass panel pending uh, investigation. Uh, and, and also, like while we're talking about how marvellous I am, which we, tangentially we were, uh, do you know that I've once again been commemorate, commemorated, I said commemorated, <laughs> in verse. Do you remember that? Do you know that, Matthew? I've heard, I heard you muttering something about people singing about you. Yep, it's verse A and it's me. Esteemed artist, what was his name? Called Beans on Toast, the laddies. Oh, there and you I go. Said, what do there you, mean? you go. Ladies, that's for, for probably very street now. We're out of touch. Beans you, on Toast is probably what people say to one another. used the word earlier, talking about street, because he's so cool. Road. Ma no, not road. road? He said, Avenue. He, wanted, he was asking if I was going to something Boulevard. tonight. And he said, are you reaching tonight? Are you? 
and I didn't know what Have it you meant. Heard the phrase yeah. reaching? reaching. You yeah. don't know that. Yeah, reaching. Just, no. Later, I'll be that's reaching. Not even a, it's not, I don't even see it as a phrase. It's just standard English. I've never heard it. And once I said, is that whack on email, and I put an H in it. Oh, you silly sausage. Reaching, people, right. nans use that in old folks' homes. All the whole... Oh, what, reaching for a jar of jam? Yeah, <laughs> but like, not like, are you going reaching to the dinner and dance? Are you reaching tonight? That's what they do, mate. It's they been out don't. of You're out of touch. That's why you don't know about beans on toast. You don't know about reaching. You don't know how me and G live as young black men <laughs> growing up in, in the Britain, hood. In the hood today, where we reached earlier too. <laughs> now, hold on a second, because beans on toast has quite rightly commemorated me in rhyme. As before him, that lad Tiny Temper, and before that, Kanye West, West and Jay-Z. That's amazing. Kanye, yeah. Apparently what, I'm quite important. What's the context? Uh, idiots he knows. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite easy to rhyme brand with stuff, so. Look, don't, don't just... I'm Probably why. Beans on toast. Check out Beans on Toast. Get ready to have your little socks I'd like on. to have a drink with Jack White. A shot of Jack Daniels. Oh, I love Jack him. Baxter, Chaz and Dave and the mm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're good. Brand, uh, yes. Adam Curtis and Muhammad Ali. That's exactly where I belong, with Adam Curtis and Muhammad Ali. Finally, I can relax. I saw you more as the Ninja Turtles end of that <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> How dare you? Master Splinter and I. <laughs> I did like those Ninja Turtles. Bit, I never got it. Never got into it. I think the voice for one of them was the dad from the Fresh Prince. Was Uncle he? Phil. Yeah, Uncle, Uncle Phil Uncle was Phil a turtle. Was, who was he? Michelangelo? No, he was the bad guy. He was the bad guy. Shredder. 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 Treading curiously. Shredder. Listen, that's not my point. My point is treading is the word that we use to describe S-E-X in the chicken community. All right? Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah. They tread up their backs. Now, we're going to have some adverts now. I'm going to come back with an Egyptologist <laughs> and yet more learning. And hopefully there'll be people behind or by a glass panel. Happy Remembrance Day or serene, contemplative mm. Remembrance Day. But now, what, this floor's really sticky. There's something sticky on the floor. It's because yes, of that shuddering ore. Huh? That's from your little mistakes last week. <laughs> that was ages ago. That weren't my fault. Dear Britain, we know you can't wait to take off again to the people and places you love, to feel the sun on your face and the sand down your shorts, or just read and read and read until you feel happy and glorious once more. Take off to Europe from £39 each way. British Airways. Made by Britain. T's and C's apply. Limited availability. Price based on a return fare departing London Heathrow in September. See ba.com slash late for details. Russell Brand. Radio X. Now, uh, that was a lovely record there that was just after those adverts. It was by a group of young people calling themselves Arcade Fire. Watch out for them, these Arcade Fire, because I, um, oh, the floor is so sticky. What is this gum? What is this gum? Is it your shoes? You were foaming at the gams when you see me the other night. Ugh. You were foaming at the gams. Ugh. You saw me striding about on that stage in Tunbridge Wells. You was foaming at the gams. Yeah, you I, well, I was impressed. I thought it was a very good show. Yeah, Russell Brand, Rebirth, uh, you enjoyed it. Very... Where's your review? extravagant bowing at the end from you. What yeah. do you mean by that? That goes to like one side of the stage and yeah. does a huge bow that's basically just going, look how flexible I am. <laughs> you go right down, yep. then you go to the other end of the stage and yep. do it. Then you go to the middle and do it. Yep. And then you do some sort of weird yoga pose where you pray. 
Yeah, that's giving it up to the yeah, old gods. It's going on for longer than the actual show. Oh, you gotta, you got to revere the Lord and the special powers that come through old Russ when he performs. That no, was very good. I'd recommend people yeah, to go well, and you see your the show. Content. Don't just review the bows. Well, it ruined the whole content. No, it didn't. It left was, in a huff. That is, that is love to the audience, that. Oh, right, That's yeah. giving it up to them. Yeah. That's oh. giving it up. That was good. What do you want me to review? I like the bit at the beginning where you just... Wing it with people's information that they filled in about their. Funny, isn't it? Yeah, that's and really Jen, funny. Jen is on the camera doing the. Yeah, doing she the finds people. Camera yeah, that's I mean, good. The camera work was the best. Oh, come on, look, stop reviewing tangent oh, ancillary elements. Did he do the book signing during the break? He did that in the break. That's yeah. a bit mental, though, isn't it? What about that's, the blessings? I, I went backstage to come and see me and criticise me him. coldly with his lovely wife. Yeah. What about my blessings? I didn't see you blessing books. I saw you signing books. I was blessing like mad, I saw you mate. cuddling people a bit. I was cuddling them senseless. I was blessing yeah. and cuddling like it was 1999. It was a good evening out. <laughs> a good evening <laughs> out? That's the most That's the most rudimentary, soulless review. That's oh, it's like, not. That's like a sort of... I was um, on the phone to you till 3 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. Afterwards, late, wasn't it? we did. We talked for He's, quite a lot. It was about two in the morning. He was taking his dog for a walk and lost him into a river. Oh, I better tell you about that. That was weird that that happened. Come and see me on my rebirth tour if you want to be like Matt Morgan in one way that's manageable, not the complex ways of being like Matt Morgan, which mean deep hypochondria and an inability to sit perfectly still. Come see me in Leicester, Fave of November, Torquay, 25th of November, Portsmouth on the 28th of November, Reading, no, Reading, on the 28th, 29th of November. Oh, Go RussellBrand.com. I can promote me. I think I'm terrific. And the only person that's probably terrifica is a man who's understood history, hidden narratives, real true emblems, the true nature of consciousness, a man that's put up with a lot of jip and a lot of claptrap for daring to speak the truth in public. It's Graham Hancock, a man I know well and admire. Graham, are you there? Hi, Russell. Good to hear your voice. It's good to hear your, <laughs> it's oh. good to hear your voice as well. Where are you, mate? In another country? <laughs> I'm in a rather obscure place called Aiken, South South Carolina. Aching, um, South Car I think we'd yeah, all be aching a, if we were there, dear. That I sounds think, like a well, yeah, place. I, 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 absolutely. The the, 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 the beds are, are worse than those in the Khyber Pass. Um, How is your Khyber? <laughs> <laughs> Doing all right, thank you. You're right, yeah. Graham. Do you remember when we met each other ages and ages ago at some sort of shamanic lodge where I suspect everyone else there was perhaps using psychedelic substances that may have been legal in the place that they were being done in? Do you remember that? I think it was um, somewhere I like do, Arizona. I do, rem I do remember that, and yes, psychedelic substances were definitely on the menu. Yes, that's right. Even though there are two sides to the story of psychedelia, one side being that they are illegal and dangerous, the other side, of course, being it's a way of exploring consciousness. Now, do you, do you remember that? You were there with your wife. You st are you still married, Graham? Is that all still going all right? I'm absolutely still married to my beautiful Santa. We just celebrated her birthday, and as we have done... For the last 27 years, we are still travelling everywhere together. How beautiful. I, I travel around with my wife as well. I load up the van with, with the wife, with the dog, <laughs> with the baby, and a lot of clutter. And off we go and do our workings. And right? off we go. And off we Sounds jolly good. well go. Now, Graham, we've not come in here to sort of natter like a couple of fishwives. On, uh, on, on the show with me is uh, Matt Morgan. Now, Matt Morgan has developed an interest in your field of expertise. We're both fans of you for a long time. I love listening to you when you're on Graham Hancock. Uh, not on Graham Hancock. You are Graham Hancock. <laughs> or are you? I mean, identity is complex. I meant when you're on Joe Rogan. I particularly liked the, right. um, the episode where there were more uh, conventional mainstream scientists and you had sort of a confrontational sort of standoff about uh, yes. pedagogy and patriarchy 
and dogma yeah. within science. Can we just do a little Absolutely. bit of covering I was, that? I, I, was debating, I was debating with Michael Shermer, the editor of the Skeptic magazine. The only thing I regret is I got a little bit angry during the debate. 25 years of suppressed frustration and fury against the establishment just had to burst out at some point. Yeah, you did. You did get a bit enraged. At some points, you sounded quite heated, Graham. I think, like, I, I think I heard the sound of a fist thudding down on a table. At least I pray it was a fist, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Otherwise, that's much yes, too I, expressive. I, absolutely. So I suppose the reason we want to learn, what we want to learn mostly about is uh, e- Egyptology. Should we focus on Egyptology? Yes, let's focus on the pyramids. Yeah, let's focus on Egyptology. Because they found that new great void pyramid. in the pyramid. Right now, this there's a bloody yes. great void in the middle of the pyramid, which suggests that the uh, the, the the pre-existing knowledge of pyramids can now be challenged with a, a an evidence on an evidence-based basis. Give us some top stuff on Egypt, Graham. Well, let me let me first of all give you some some numbers. The Great Pyramid weighs six million tons. It stands four hundred and eighty-one feet high. It has a footprint of 13 acres. It consists of at least 2.3 million individual blocks of stone, and it is almost perfectly aligned to true north within just three sixtieths of a single degree. Uh, Makes you proud to be British, don't it, Graham? (laughs) (laughs) If this is a tomb for some pharaoh, as the Egyptologists continue to uh, to insist, then they went to incredible lengths uh, to build that tomb. And, and really, you can have a perfect tomb without aligning it perfectly to true north. The precision of this monument is absolutely stunning. And not only is it huge, you know, massive, giant megaliths, you get megaliths weighing 70 tons that are raised 300 feet above the ground, above the so-called king's chamber. Not only is it all of that, but it's, it's actually full of passageways uh, known passageways and voids of which of which the most spectacular is the grand gallery and the grand gallery is a hundred and nearly 130 feet long it slopes up at an angle of 26 degrees it's 30 feet high it's got a kind of corbel vault so it narrows uh, above you as you look up at the ceiling but this newly discovered void in the great pyramid is above the grand gallery so one must imagine you know 10 feet of solid stone above the grand gallery and then above that what looks like another grand gallery in other words it raises the possibility that there is an entire concealed previously undiscovered passageway system inside the great pyramid and that has to be exciting even to the most boring of Egyptologists, although many of them are already trying to deny that it exists and are trying to deny that the, uh, that the survey that was done is correct, because really this is a very disturbing thing for a fixed and rigid group of academics to be informed about. Why do they, is that why, sorry Graham, this is Matt, why do they um, defend their take on things so vehemently? I remember Zawi Hawass, is he still around? Yeah, Zahi's still around, and he was one of the first to come out and say, this is nothing, it's not important, everybody should ha- should show no interest in it whatsoever. <laughs> Why- no interest, straight away, look the other way. <laughs> yeah, look the other way, we don't even know what it is, but nobody should look at it. That was Zahi's, that was Zahi Hawass's uh, position in print, uh, 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 astonishingly, but perhaps not astonishingly, because he is a rigid defender of the status quo. 
Um, why do they defend the status quo so strongly? I guess everybody gets attached to their ideas. Uh, you, you know, those of us talking on this telephone are no different. We, we get attached to certain ideas. They, and, and when those ideas are attacked, some people find it existentially threatening. It's no, not me. It's, never have. Never get none of my ideas. Never. Let them go. Every single <laughs> one of them. So but it, do you think it's nothing more than a, a human inclination to be defensive of ideology and knowledge? Or do you think there is something in particular within this subject that is being concealed or something that they fear if a, if a different narrative were to reemerge? I mean, what are you proposing that these chambers mean? And how does it relate to what you'd proposed prior to the discovery of this? chamber? There are ancient traditions uh, of, a, of, of hidden chambers at, at Giza, indeed not only within the Great Pyramid but also underneath the Giza Plateau. Uh, there are accounts of a vast labyrinth of corridors and passageways and, and the suggestion is that these contain an archive of information from the period that the ancient Egyptians called Zeptepi, which means the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and using, I, mean, I, I can't go into the massive amount of detail in a short call like this, but working with my colleague Robert Boval and using astronomy and the astronomical alignments of the Great Pyramid, we calculate the first time Zeptepi to be around 12 and a half thousand years ago. Um, and that is around 8,000 years older than the Great Pyramid uh, is supposed to be. What's at stake here is the whole, our whole understanding of human history. I mean, when we, as, as human creatures, we define ourselves partly with reference to our past. Our notion of our past informs and prejudices our notion of what we should be doing in the present. And I think, I think what's at stake here is that the whole house of cards of human history, the Great Pyramid is not the only example, is in the process of being thrown up in the air. Uh, mm. and, and this, I think, is very disturbing to those who are, who are invested in the current model. I don't think, I don't think it's a conspiracy. Uh, I think it's just the way that, that, that science unfortunately works. Science claims to be very forward-thinking, very open-minded, but actually I've found again and again in my research that scientists get dogmatic mm -hmm. and indeed almost religious about their points of view and will engage in dirty tricks and underhand attacks and ad, ad hominem attacks on individuals who uh, propose an alternative model, including other Dirty scientists. tricks and underhand attacks and the ad hominem ones, that's the best bit of it. Now, what I reckon it is, Graham, I've been thinking about it, and uh, I would wish you'd have given my question a few compliments because I actually gave you a very good question a minute ago. A wonderful uh, question, Russell. Thank you, yes, thank please you, ask everyone it again. Has to say that now, contractually. Uh, now, I, I get carried away, you know. I've got some good points here, and here are those good points by me. Uh, firstly, okay. precipitation, uh, like that there is, like I, I know from listening to your work that there is sort of, uh, sort of clear evidence uh, that on suggests the on the Sphinx that it's uh, survived sort of a flood, yeah. that it's been there for a flood. And that you do loads of works, that, don't you, Graham, on hidden civilizations. And I suppose the idea... Uh, that civilization has reached other peaks. It breaks up the sort of the main thrust of human civilization. It is that is that it's somehow teleological that we are advancing and progressing towards some sort of perfect state. And the idea that there yeah. might have been human civilizations that are more advanced than ours, if not in a materialistic, me mechanistic, technological sense, in a holistic and spiritual sense, is a real challenge to the continuing formward momentum of consumerism and materialism. Ain't it, mate? You bet. What a question! You bet. 
What a question that you was! Just... Everyone's gone mad for it. Yeah, we have the answer. That was a. Uh, that was. That was. Uh, that was the question of all questions. Oh, yes, come you on. bet. It's, it's a challenge. To, to we're, in, we're, we're encouraged. <laughs> we're encouraged to see ourselves as the apex and the pinnacle of human achievement, and we have this fantasy that we will just carry on achieving and reach higher and higher levels as we go along. But how do we define those high levels? We define them in terms of material goods and services. Ours is a technological society. Mm. We do everything with machines and mechanical advantage. And, and somehow we've been persuaded to swallow the idea that this machine world is the ultimate destiny of humanity, uh, that we are just these uh, biological creatures with no transcendental purpose, uh, and that all we're here to do is endlessly produce and consume at ever higher levels. And the notion of a different story of the human past, of a, perhaps a different kind of civilization in the past, which cultivated and nurtured, dare I use the word, the soul, the spirit mm. of humanity, the, the, the notion that such a civilization existed in the past and fell and was gone but left us messages is indeed very threatening to the existing order. That's bloody good, that Graham Hancock. Now, uh, Matt That's Moore... That's a better question. No, it, it won't be good. But this is, Matt's going to do a question, Graham. Graham probably if, it won't be the quality you're used quiet, to. please, Russell. <clears throat> Graham, if you had one year without any Egyptologists in the way, right, you had complete access to the pyramid and the Sphinx and everything, yeah. what would you do? I would, I would seek, using all the methods at our disposal, to discover what lies beneath the Giza Plateau. We already know that there are, there are a number of deep shafts which go down deeply into the Giza Plateau, 100 or 200 feet deep, and seem to come to dead ends. Beneath the Great Pyramid itself, 100 feet directly beneath the base of the Great Pyramid, is the so-called subterranean chamber, which you approach down a sloping corridor. Again, it slopes at 26 degrees. It's 3 feet 5 inches high, 3 feet 5 inches wide. You've got to kind of ape walk down it. Then you get on your knees and crawl along a horizontal passage. Then you enter this really extraordinary chamber hewn out of the bedrock. And on the other side of the chamber is another passageway that I've been into, which is even smaller. And I've crawled to the end of it, and it comes to a dead end. The, all the indications are that these are the blanks in a, in a huge underground network of, of uh, passageways and chambers beneath the Giza Plateau. We know there's such a chamber beneath the left forepaw of the Sphinx, yeah. about 20 feet down. This was identified by Seismic Survey back in 1992. John Anthony West and Professor Robert Schock of Boston University, who were conducting that survey, were immediately kicked off the site when they found that chamber. Ooh, we know that a couple of Egyptologists have been drilling around the Sphinx. They claim that they are, they are trying to clear groundwater from beneath the Sphinx, but sometimes I wonder uh, what exactly is going on and whether the Egyptologists do already know more than they are telling us. I, I resist the notion that it's a conspiracy, but I, I, I sometimes I have to find myself playing with that idea. Graham, that was a brilliantly preceded and insightful and informative interjection in a radio show that is has previously up to now and will again resume being run by idiots. Thank you very much for Thank the you, treasure Graham. of your knowledge and your research. Hey, Graham, do you want to plug something while you're on the phone? Have you written any books lately or done any videos? No, nothing, nothing to plug at the moment. I'm in the middle of researching and writing a new book on mysterious ancient America. Amer North America has been missing from, largely missing from my research over the last 25 years. So I, 
in sometime in 2019, I'll be publishing a big book on that, but it's much too early to, uh, plug, to it. plug it right now. Well, well done and good luck and thanks, Graham. And I hope I get to see with you and uh, see you soon and speak to you soon. Thank you for coming on, mate. That would be that would be lovely. Happy birthday, Thanks, Graham. Thank you, you too, mate. Ta -ta. Keep, Bye. Indeed. Keep well. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. There's Bye. a conspiracy going on. They're covering something up. There's one thing Graham said was don't say there's a conspiracy. You've come straight off the phone and you've said there's a conspiracy. Why can't you? What about you, going, Graham? I can't wait to see with you. <laughs> what? Look. <laughs> Baffled him. I try my level best. To get the content levels on this show, Sky Eye. You were barely listening. Week, you, you walk around <laughs> grandstanding about your question. Like a wrestler. Yeah. Some of those questions was top notch. Mine was the it. best. Your one. It was oh. active. I was saying, oh. what would you do? Not just oh. teleological. <laughs> just like swallowed the dictionary and puked it in his ear. You, your one was absolute crap. Or oh, if you had a week off work, where would you like go on your holidays? Absolute rot. Now let's listen to an advert and it will be better quality than Matt Morgan's questions. Russell Brand. This is Radio X. That was an advert and possibly a song. And also, before it, it was Graham Hancock, one of the nicest people we know. Myths of Middle India. That's what I'm reading these days. Proper things about <coughs> knowledge. Not the rubbish you read out. What are you reading at the moment, Matt? Which I got you. Thank you. Book. I appreciate you giving me this. I walked past the library and they said, ancient, no, antique books, fill a bag for one pound. Look what it says on page 257. Two Look, don't do, look, stop. You're obsessed That's with freebies. I've never known anyone so obsessed with freebies. It wasn't freebies. free, it was a pound. <laughs> Gadaba, chapter 33. You Kujambo, got a freebie. Korraput District. In former days, the penis was very wrong. Oh, no. Stop going about the penis. Look, it's I what tried it's about. to raise the bar. I bought you some books about Indian myths. You've gone straight to the rude bits. Flicked <laughs> <laughs> through the, the book and he found time. it. This is my book on ancient knowledge, mate. Yeah, it, but I've read a lot of those Indian myths. You can't handle the truth. Some of those Indian myths are crazy. They're saying, like, women used to have beards and then one day that someone did a deal with a serpent and their beard fell off. Look, it's myths. It's all stuff like the that. The serpent is the reptile. The reptile is the limbic system. The reptile energy that still exists in us. What does it mean if you're putting your penis day. around your waist? That means you're having a lovely afternoon and why the heck wouldn't you? Ah, Graham Hancock, he's shown us the score on old Egypt. I don't know why he's not more angry. He should be like... He's relaxed. He's I probably to invade off his head on right storm now. Storm in there, transcend, drill down like it was a movie. <laughs> Mate, you don't just. I want to know what's under the, the what is it called? The Sphinx's paw. There's a hall of records. It's Ancient the, human knowledge. Are we going to be dead before they get it out? It's the Sphinx's forepaw, and the last person we want fiddling around under there is you, <laughs> a fellow who can't even keep his own loft in order, diddling around in the Sphinx. Talking of which, there's a story about that Russian boy who said he was a Martian. Yep. He said there's a button on one of the ears of the Sphinx, and if you press it, the paw will come up, like one of those little cats <laughs> in a Japanese restaurant. And there's Chinese. All, all and why are you out. bringing this up? We've just had Graham Hancock on the line. You could have had the, you had the opportunity to ask an intelligent question about a poor flipping up like a... Uh, Imagine like I'd said that to him. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be right, a fool. Made us look stupid. Dearest Russell, there are loads of videos on YouTube of people playing board games. Why don't you go on one of them? Kind of thoughts for James, a mystery to the Matt Morgan Appreciation Society, which I hear is in a lot of trouble, the Matt Morgan Appreciation Society. Why? Fractured, splintered, full of idiots. Now, uh, what was I going to say? Where are the glass panellists? I don't know. The show, we're nearly an hour in. People keep disappearing with the intention of getting people to put behind a glass panel. That's the last we see of them. Dear Jago, he's gone. Jengo, she's gone. Where's all the people that have gone to get the glass panellists? What's going on here? The, what is the truth of this situation? And Matt, when he was saying geezer plateau, 
All you could think of was Danny Dyer and Ray Winston on a shelf. Wasn't it? No. Wasn't it? Clearly that's an insight to your little bird brain. (laughs) No way. I was thinking really clever stuff about the four-paw. Now, uh, let's have a look what's going on here. People want to buy islands for us, don't they? People have... Talk about the Russian man who claims he's... Because that's, look, that's a segue. I've just mentioned it. Go on, mate. All right. <laughs> Good segue. Right, Crossed segue. Crossed it over. Head it beep, in, mate. Beep. Segue. Segue coming. Segue. Here we go. Do it seamlessly. Don't watch tell out. the boys and watch, girls. Watch out for this. Watch out for it. Well, you mentioned that man who says there's a button on the forepaw. Yes, well, I just did, didn't I? Russian man claims he was born on Mars before being reborn on Earth. A man who was able to speak within months of being born. And it's like could, everyone. Yeah, that's true, all of us. And could read and write by the age of two, claims that's he's right. a Martian who was reborn on Earth. Boriska Kirapyarovich, 21, claims he lived on Mars in a previous life until there was a war wiping out all life on Mars in the distant past. His parents claim he has spoken about alien civilizations since he was a little lovely lad, despite them never teaching him about the matter. What are they going to teach him about wiped out ancient alien civilizations? It's a very esoteric subject. Some people say there ain't no ancient alien civilizations. That's the sort of thing they would have taught him, would they? Because it's not true. And over there's a daffodil, and that's a willow tree, and over there's an ancient alien civilization that's been wiped out. Don't you spout that back at us in a couple of months and claim you thought of it, because we remember it. Take that blue tack out of your back pocket. He claimed he'd visited Earth while working as a pilot on Mars and that they had close connections to ancient Egyptians. Why were you not? We could have, Hancock could have really given us the inside view on this. In fact, he's made a prediction that life on Earth is going to change significantly when the Great Sphinx of Giza is unlocked using the mechanism behind its lugsy. Told you. He now lives in Volgograd, Russia, after being reborn on Earth and first made his unfounded and unproven claims (laughs) several years ago. (laughs) While drunk. (laughs) He has continued to mystify people and cause great curiosity among conspiracy theorists and UFO hunters. Given an insight into Martian life, he said that people from Mars stop ageing at the age of 35 and are immortal. So how was he reborn? Well, because there was a great... He's immortal. There's a great catastrophe. Well, perhaps immortality is, you know, occupying different host vessels. Who are you, his agent? Listen, my man here... I'll a hole in it and you're trying to fill it in. (laughs) (laughs) Bariska is a good lad. I can have him here. By Monday. You give him a show there on Radio X. I'd love Bariska. And a translator. Don't worry. Just I'll translate for you. I've translated for some of the best Tibetan monks and some of the best Russians in human history. Don't you worry about me, mate. Go on, look. There's a nuclear war on Mars. Speaking gently about the great nuclear war on Mars, he said, No, I have no fear of death, for we live eternally. There was a catastrophe on Mars where I lived. People like us still live there. <laughs> Miss Money Penny. <laughs> there was a nuclear war between them. Everything burnt down. Only some of them survived. Only built shelters and created new weapons. Now, they still live on Mars, but now they're underground. Aha. Now we're getting somewhere. I mean, in a way, look. Look, his mother believes she knew he was special from the age of just a couple of weeks when he was able to hold his own head up unassisted. <laughs> <laughs> this boy can hold his head up unassisted. Doubtless he comes from another oh, dimension. Pretty, yeah, that's a bit. I mean, it's a big jump. A lot to of say babies are born traps. being able to hold their heads up. Both mine were. Hold your head up. Could they hold their heads up? Yeah, they had to hold their heads up. Growing up with you, looming around the house. Keep an eye out, haven't they? <laughs> Got to keep their wits about on these kids. Sometimes he would sit in lotus position and tell us detailed facts about Mars, planetary systems, and other civilizations. Well, he's Not a real kindred facts. spirit of you, isn't he? I like the sound of this sort boy. of thing. Mother, 
Mother, let me tell you a thing or two about Mercury. It's not how you would have it, you know. There are train sets running the length and breadth of the place, <laughs> facilitating all sorts of hijinks. Take your hand off me. Change my nappy, woman. <laughs> I think we should get this guy at some point in the future, talk mm. to him. I bet they haven't past. written down he what he said. Travel. They haven't written down what he said exactly. Why won't he come on, Neil? What's wrong with you? Won't he come on? Oh, Neil's looking like a war veteran again. <laughs> Neil, what's happening? You're back on Goof Screen! Apparently he's, the, he's in some sort of Russian scheme now. What does that mean? quite deep on the internet. A scheme? What do you mean a scheme? So the last person that had his email address got some garbled message from him oh. saying I'm in a scheme or... Program. What do you suppose a scheme is? Mean, a mental health system. Mental health scheme. All right, we're, we're ridiculing the mentally ill as we always are, but luckily it's the mentally ill that mostly tune into this show. They love it. We make it for them. And if you are at home, get yourself behind a glass panel. You'll be cured in no time at all. That much I'll tell you for a fact. Yeah. Well, so there you go. We've all, look. The show's barely an hour right. old. What we need to do is get on an Egyptologist, one of these ones who won't More let anyone and just say to so them, "What are you doing? The yeah, poor. Dig under the paw." Right, I'll play the part of the Egyptologist. Go on. Oh, well, I'll start soft because I don't want to scare him off. <laughs> right? Oh, hello. Hello. Uh, you're an expert on Egypt, aren't you? I know you? a great deal about it, yes. Why, what do you think that void is in the pyramid? Well, it, we'd always speculated that uh, there could be a void within the pyramid. It's, you know, it's a complex architectural uh, entity, the pyramid, and we suggest that it's probably... What are you hiding? <laughs> Underneath the floor, there's all networks of tunnels. There's little snake people down there. I was there on Wednesday, diddling me wife, the poor... So she didn't care. <laughs> Underneath the pyramids, a lot of stuff goes on. I'm there with a couple of me mates. We're drinking cafe lates. It's pronounced lattes. All right, lattes. We are Egyptologists. I think you're representative, really. <laughs> I'm the best it's one. A great role play. I'm the best Egyptologist. Look, you know too much. Get Morgan. one on. You Get one on a real much. one, not you pretending to you be. You don't one. go looking under that football. You stay away from that football. I was watching telly the other day. What you don't you touch that switch? I'm so sorry about that, ladies. <laughs> now that's James Taylor. He's been in here for a matter of a half an hour. And he's dismantling some of our most profound architecture and some of our bestest jingles. Come on, yeah, you were watching telly the other day. Oh, squidink! Oh, squidink! It squeezed out oh, under the sea, deep down. Squidink! What, David Attenborough? That's what I'm being. Blue planet. Squidink! Oh, so cloudy. Little oh, colourful no fish, speaks. all bright, bright as buttons. Gollum. <laughs> Squidink! <laughs> anyway, that's my review of the week's events. Thank you for joining me. What are we going to do now? Little advert. Oh, right, hold on, we've got a minute. Oh, fill a minute. What were you watching? Blue oh, Planet? Oh, Squidink. Yeah. How he talks. How does he talk? Oh, that's not big talk. <laughs> oh, Squidink. Gargling Squidink. <laughs> oh, Squidink. It's good on my mouth. Oh, I'm over a hundred ones. <laughs> oh, deep down in the mysteries of the seaside, it's Squidink. <laughs> the long... Squidink. Oh, right over the edge in my little ship. A little bit of squidink. Squidink. Has it gone on my pants? <laughs> so I learned a great deal about the creatures of the deep, as a matter Did of you? fact. Did you really deal. focus on it? No, I couldn't focus. You're looking at your phone. I was. I was looking around at other stuff. I was just seeing everything where it was all right on Facebook and that. All right, so let's have a, a quick look at an advert. When we come back, we'll get to the bottom of the, some of these mysteries that have been baffling humankind for millennia. We've already solved the fact that there are fake historical narratives to maintain certain economic imperatives and social strata. No, you've tried hour. to tie Egyptology to some sort of capitalism thing. H Hancock agreed.
Hancock agreed. would say anything to get you off the phone. (laughs) (laughs) He was having the time of his life on that call. He'd still be on it if you hadn't upset him with your rubbish about the four poor and all that and that lad from Mars you kept piping up about. All right, here's a little lad called Bradley Adverterus. Welcome back to the show. That was Liam Gallagher, who used to be in the band Oasis and is one of the top pop stars that there is. So you're very lucky to have heard that. Right, we've got some new gifts here. Uh, oh, my God. Who's bought this for us? Look at my T-shirt. It's made got... them for us. Ah, Majesty. Your late father and I are involved well, look... in the textile industry. Look at that. Lee Revel, whose company is called oh. Rev Level, which I imagine is oh, a sort of anagram. Promo, but it is a lovely I'm t-shirt. not promo. He sent us some free T-shirts. It's lovely. Oh, Majesty. Mm. You were doing promo. You're talking about your t- What's your one uh, say? Southampton on the 19th. <laughs> it leads again. Live... If you didn't see it last time. Now, if it's a Wednesday, I will be... In Shrewsbury. I've got something. Wanted. Crawley says I want free stuff. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> free stuff wanted by this, this man. man that is a great image. What's G say? Addicted. Taylor. Addicted to Fredo France. That's lovely. That's this person's beautiful. good at T-shirts. They should be yeah. coming in. They could do us our merch. We could make a fortune out of this stuff. Could we? Any resemblance to copyright protected amphibian mascots, living or dead, is purely coincidental. Brilliant. He's even thought about that. He's He's good. We should have him on merch. I want some merch. I want some merch. You ain't having You've got merch on your website. Overpriced junk. (laughs) How dare you? How dare you criticise my junk? With a sliding scale. You can pay whatever you want, starting at £50 a (laughs) t-shirt. Goes up to about 10 grand. (laughs) That is a perfectly reasonable price. You have any idea how hard those children work to make those t-shirts. <laughs> Some poor... of them only got one hand. <laughs> <laughs> Look, tell me who makes these t-shirts. We'll promote his brand. I just said his name and you had a go at me what for is promoting it? him. Say it again. Lee Revel from Rev Level. No, no. It's hard to that's say. It's a mouthful. Name. That's a type of chocolates and it would be a mouthful. He's got a metal business the card. One, the a metal one, business the card. One. What have you got? Give me over. Let me examine it. Let me examine it. Revel Level Lee, merchandise and digital That's art. Not what it says. Info at RevDev Level. What a lovely lad. Can't even read. Look, look, look. Uh, you're read. promoting it by misreading it. If you want a t shirt, RevDev Rev Level. Level have just got a big boost in sales <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> I tell you what, if, if you're cashing in on the works of Rev Level, Rev Level, great stuff, great stuff. Better than those charlatans at Adagio Teas. Oh, do you remember oh, leave those? Them alone. Don't drink Adagio Teas. Filthy stuff. It tastes of wee. Don't drink. <laughs> Adagio teas, that stuff's bleeding poisonous. <laughs> Adagio teas available now. Now you can have Adagio teas, it's perfectly nice. Remember stuff. that woman wrote us yeah, an email? She said, like, oh, it's got it's she backfired. Could, Matthew, she could be behind a glass panel if she wanted. I would not deny her or any of her She's colleagues. She's obviously not working anymore. So. Of course not. Not with Adagio teas. The stuff can't, they can't give it away, can they? <laughs> <laughs> Who would drink it? They did give it away to me and it backfired massively. Anything else nice to say about me, mate? Anything else nice to say? What? We weren't talking about you. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's just why I changed the subject. Well, Come on, what about my show? Wasn't it a hit? What a I great show. You said it was good. You said it was what a perfectly pleasant want? evening out. Why do you look, use a microphone on a wire still, like some 50s musician? I think it makes me look cool. Well, it doesn't. There's a whole... Well, you have to, the audience have to pass it around when you go into the audience. So what? It does them good. Have a little mic that's on a no wire. Give a little respect... Here's someone called A1. Oh, look at that. that. He's, like, so offended. (laughs) (laughs) I've said to him, cut the first half hour out or something. (laughs) He won't even look at me now. (laughs) How dare you criticise my microphone technique? That is bread and butters of stand-up comics, such as I am. Yeah, I suppose it does. It is quite funny when... You mm. garrot people. That's right. Very good. Very good. See, it's all skilled. I know what I'm doing. It may look very spontaneous and chaotic, but I know what I'm doing. Email here from A1 or possibly Al. 
from Dublin. Al from Dublin here. I have a question for each of you. Russell, did you know that Alan Bennett knows you're a fan of his? I did not know that, but now I do. And I reckon we should get him on Under the Skin, which is a great podcast. You should listen to that. Ruby Wax coming up soon. Uh, or maybe we should get him to just come. He wouldn't want to come in here, will he? He's, he's oh, vulnerable. would be great, wouldn't it? Oh, he'd be brilliant. We vulnerable. all love Alan Bennett. So, I'm not saying vulnerable. I Hang mean, on, like what's the, what does that end on? He might have... He dislikes you intensely. Oh, He's how do I know? Retire under a black cloud. And look, A1 told him something. I told him. I wrote him a letter eight years ago, and he replied with a postcard. I think you mentioned in a podcast that you yourself and Matt had been listening to his diaries while driving across America when oh, you yeah. made the On the Road documentary. We were, were we, Matt? Yeah, we were. I told him as much in my letter. JPEG of postcode, postcard, detached, attached. Well, that he the replied first... with. Yeah, and I've got it here with my eyes, and I can look at it, and it's here, actually. And look at what he says. He goes, look, it was good of you to write, and I had no idea about Russell Brand. That's what he says. That's Alan Bennett, the writer, writing my name. He had no idea about Russell Brand <laughs> liking him. Or I had no idea about him. I've Googled it, and I've been sick of my trousers. <laughs> the keyboard is now like a fine paste, gummed up I've together. burned all my diaries. I'm going to be a gardener now. <laughs> the written word seems a blunt tool when confronted with the image of Mr. Brand. I have no further interest in recording my thoughts. And this will be only. the last thing I ever write. Good day. <laughs> Thank you for ruining what has been a fruitful <laughs> endeavour from beyond the fringe. It's weird that he knew Peter Cook. I can't imagine them two talking. I know. Imagine Peter Cook sort of like with his intensity Drunk and charisma. Drunk and twinkly. And, oh, stop it, Peter. Oh, Peter, don't say that. Yeah. Well, and what I, I about that English, the most English thing that ever happened? When Was it Morrissey was looking out of a window and saw Alan Bennett post a letter? Morrissey <laughs> was having a cup of tea. What was that? Well, I know I that it. Alan Bennett said that Morrissey went round his house and knocked on the door and said, and much too quickly asked me about the Clitheroe kid, who was a sort of a musical comedian. So that must have mean he said it before hello and then right. came in and they drank tea. So that's quite... In English. No, there was something happened. where Morrissey was looking out of a window and saw Alan Bennett posting a letter. That's and Morrissey was drinking a cup of tea and they went, oh, Post hello, it. waved at each other. So, that, so that's that's perhaps peak Englishness. Yeah. The most English moment in history would have been that one. You're quite right. What was I going to say something about little old Alan Bennett? Oh, yeah, about Peter Cook. Oh, yeah, when, when um, Peter C Cook's mother died, he began to refer to himself as an orphan. And, yes. and even though he was in his 50s, and Alan Bennett said, it made me wonder if I'd ever really known him at all. It's <laughs> 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 well, a strange thing for a person to do. I would like, uh, thinking about it, Alan Bennett's probably the person that's alive now that I'd most like to meet, isn't he, you? Who else do you want to meet? Putin. Um... Putin, isn't it? Putin, I think we you say, don't we? You want to meet Putin? I don't want to meet Putin. 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 Putin boots. Who would I like to meet? I don't know. I say Alan Bennett, and you say Putin. See if you can get, Neil, I'd like either Vladimir Putin <laughs> or Alan Bennett. That's Vladimir, that's V-L-A-D. I, I, I believe he is king of Russia. Or Alan Bennett this time. I laugh if it's easier to get Putin than, um, <laughs> than Bennett. Probably will be. We won't give him any cheek. I met um, he, that guy kicks back. I've met hard. most of my heroes, a lot of my living heroes. Yeah, obviously, firstly me. Who else though? Chris Morris. I met him. What? When was that? I went to his fiftieth birthday party. Hmm. Did you bother him? Yes. I met someone the other day, Matt, that had a pin on one wrist and a pin on another wrist, and uh, that was in dedication to Pin Pin. They were at one of my shows. Now, I, one of the many great things about Poppy Day is that you, they come with a pin, and to commemorate the fallen. 
I would like to stab you with a pin. <laughs> Say right. pin, you should have done pin. it earlier when I had a numb face from the dentist because I wouldn't have even noticed. What's been going on at the dentist? I've had two what fillings. Sh- thank you. I've been armed with a pin. Just a gentle pin pin. Oh, don't pin me. No? Don't want to be- you can pin pin me. I'll be pin pinned. No, don't you pin. don't. No. Do you think I'll overreact? Do you know what I did when I was at school once? We had to get a blood still. sample. Pin pin. Don't do that. Pin pin. See? Pin pin. Oh, it does hurt. Pin pin. Self harm. Pin pin. <laughs> Why didn't anyone love me? I don't think I real self harm is done while saying pin pin. <laughs> of course it is. Listen, when I was at school. Issue. We made a good truth about that last week. Silence! When I was at school, yeah. the biology teacher said, oh, right, we're going to do this thing on human blood where you like separate the plasma and all that stuff. Yeah, plasma. And he said, we need a blood sample. So he said, we're going to, I mean, he probably wouldn't do it these days. He goes, do it, I'll do it myself, right? I'll, wow. I'll be the, he goes, who can jab this thing into my thumb, yeah. right, to get this little pinprick of blood? And I said, Ooh. I'll do it. And then when I was just about to do it, I thought, oh, it's making me feel a bit queasy sticking this Ooh. in his thumb. So I closed my eyes and did it too hard, sliced his thumb open. With blood a pin? everywhere. No, you... no, it was a, it was a, like scalpel. A, a scalpel blade thing that yeah, you, yeah, it's yeah. for prick. You shut for, your eyes. All you had to do was a simple expeppement, and you slashed someone. Sliced his thumb open, and he was gripping it with his fist, right? And it was blood was going everywhere, but he still managed to get some in each test tube. What a professional! And then a round he ran out of the him. room. He's the wind beneath our wings. What was his name? Mr. Teacher. Mr. Teacher, well done. Good Mr. work for you. I don't there. remember. I'm too old now. Well, listen, mate, if you want to keep me informed with events from your past, please do, and feel free to do it on the wireless. We had a nice two-and-a-half-hour chat, didn't we, while I was wandering the meadows and fields of the, the countryside land yeah. where I live. My dog got away. He was gone for ages. I think he was chasing sheep. I only glint- glimpsed him in the moonlight, waist-high he was in that water, looking around all furtive. And when I got his face back, his face stunk of sheep. When I got his face back? Well, you know, when he came back to me, face first, his right. face stunk all sheepy. Oh, do you have blood on him? I don't think it was blood. Dear Russ, Matt and G says an email correspondent from a country called simply NZ. Relating to the show's love of Moby Dick, oh, I'm still reading that, oh, you may or may not know, and we, I'll raise that cultural bar in a minute, and you better supposed to do some bloody inventions, ain't you? You better supposed to do some... Yeah, I'm up in the top field, sir. <laughs> what are you talking about? You best get on with your perishing inventions, otherwise we ain't going to make ourselves a brass farthing, are we? Relating to the show, uh, Mel, do you know Moby is actually the nephew of Herman Melville, who the wrote Moby Dick? musician Moby is related to... Herman Melville wrote Moby that Dick. That is what I just said, you sarcastic... No, you went... It was all garbled. Vixen, you piget! <laughs> he also studied religion and philosophy, is a former addict and a vegan and an activist, and he loves a lord. Would him and Russ like to get on like a fast-paced house on fire, one that pauses for, you for a piano break, then builds up again with a sampled female gospel vocal? If you get him on the show, ask him how he transitioned from being once synonymous with an entire genre to the contrast of an in-recovery lifestyle in a scene drenched in hedonistic and debauched gatherings. Commission him to write an anthem for the utopian island, Kevin, or Kelvin, rather. Where's Moby gone? NZ. That suggests that his surname is Dick. Mm, yeah, well, why not? <laughs> Look, grow up, mate, because I'm trying no, to raise the culture. I'm not bar, being yeah. immature, I'm just saying. Like, If he's I'm named after it. the book because he's related to the guy, then. <laughs> childish, very childish thing uh, to say. I'm very childish. Quite grown up. I've got a few thank yous I've got to Go on, do your thank yous, do your thank yous. Meanwhile, let me direct you to russellbrand.com. What a website it is. Free stuff everywhere. Trues, <laughs> free of chargio. Um, Go on, Matt. What are you thanking people? I'd like for to there? thank Hazy from Hayes Outdoors. Why? What have they done? He sent me, he's a bloke. He's a person. He yeah, sent so me some uh, camping stuff, some survival stuff. What? He sent you some survival yeah. stuff. 
Something's gone wrong. Oh, You're like yeah. a catalogue, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, look, he, he took pity on me. He's Who's the guy who said, don't go he in the dark. You won't be able to survive. Mm. I'd like to wish Tiffany s- from Arizona happy birthday. What's Tiffany done for you? Ooh. Come on. What's I don't she know. Done? She asked me to say happy birthday. What is this? I'm a nice guy. What? You can some people that you've... Since you've been on Instagram... That is not... There's nothing shady about that. It's turned you into sort of like a very demanding, freebie needing. No, I don't ask low these level things. People scumbag. send them to me. People like James Taylor. Look, James it's paid off for him. He's sat there giggling. James, had <laughs> such a good time. Where are the glass panelists? Where the hell are they? And right. Tensile for providing me and you, and we have to go camping in them with tree tents. I do want to go tree tenting. Right, well, when it gets a bit warmer, because you're not going to go in the cold, are you? Of course I would. I'm not afraid. You are think, you? You think the frost is bother me? With my yogic training. Look, I don't know if you saw me on the hot... Sleeping hot, outside all no night. No problem. No problem. You saw me on the hot sauce challenge, did you? No, I didn't, but you've told me about I it. I had sources that were so piping hot, Matthew. Piping hot. And I was able to withstand it simply using my spirituality. All right, well, listen. I was going to go on my own. Yep. But let's but go together. You, me, a little camera, and a bunch of fun. And you could bring your dog. Sicking up. Wow. Yeah, he'll wow. help us. He'll protect us. us in the night. No, he protect us. He has yeah. to be roped up to a tree. <laughs> <laughs> We're like Huckleberry Finn, are we? Yeah. That's the cultural bar. Back up a couple of notches. We're not hunting. We'll just bring food and water with us. Can you please get these people that are meant to be behind a glass panel? Because I'm Yeah, where are they? Panicking just gone. like mad. Everyone, no one comes back ever again. No one, I never see them again. It's really, really starting to worry me about where our glass panellist is. Matthew, um, while we're in the mood to, to hand over a few home truths and facts, Uncle Two Beers, one of the great contributors to the show, has this to offer. Hi, Russell, Matt's continued criticism of you for your lack of hand washing is misplaced. Long story short, I have an auntie, and who could distrust a person with an auntie, who is an infection control nurse, one of the top bods in the industry. <laughs> and, and they've recently been told to stop using particular products, especially soaps slash cleaners that say they are antibacterial. These products, soaps, cleaners, hand sanitizers, etc., uh, that state that they kill all bacteria on your skin, including oh, this the is good stuff. Nonsense. We are seeing a rise in superbugs, which hospitals are actually yeah, that's antibacterial about. stuff. Superbugs. That doesn't mean. Do you think funny thing? Carry on your day with poo on your thumb now. You're laughing at superbugs, are you? Listen, I'm trying my best <laughs> to bring down <laughs> the superbugs. She's not saying don't wash your hands when you go to the toilet. They're saying don't use those blue gels that kill everything. If a man. Wears a little beige glove, and that's the cost of bringing down a super book. Then I don't see what you or any of the governments around here should be saying about it. So, Russell, you're doing the world a great service, Uncle Tubis. Another Un- Uncle Tubis, that's his name. That's his name. He's okay, that's, that's your expert. He has an auntie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Has an auntie yeah. who yeah. is Uncle Tubis. High up Uncle in the trade. Yeah. I'm talking about proper people. Probably proper people. Water brown. Yeah. Right, listen, we're going camping. We never follow through on anything. We're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. I will do it. I will do it. Another email. Matt Morgan is unprofessional. That's from James Lee. Now, okay, time now for a little advert, and then we'll be coming back with an expert. And I hope that neither of you pair of jokers will ridicule him or undermine him when I ask him some very challenging and very long questions. With Sky Broadband Superfast, you get reliable broadband here. (laughs) Smells good. There. Morning. (sighs) And everywhere. (laughs) Sorry. Get guaranteed Wi-Fi in every room or money back with Sky Broadband Superfast. So reliable, it's minion-proof. Sky, believe in better. Requires Sky Broadband Boost and Sky Kit in fibre areas only. Speeds vary by location. Minimum 3 megabits or refund on boost component of subscription paid during current minimum term up to date of claim. See sky.com slash guarantee. This, this is... is. 
Radio X. Russell Brand. We were just listening to some music then and some adverts and James Taylor, friend of the show, just sat there, the life slowly draining out of the poor fool. The, the problem the with the glass panellists is they don't, don't exist. exist. They no don't. one wants to come in. People want to come in. In fact, we're doing a special live Christmas show coming up soon. I know. You've already given out half the tickets, haven't you? To your well, people like Stuart's son. To those Stuart, friend of the show. World-weary poor saps that cling on to your every word. I'm the Matt sure. I'll have a bin push. bag at the door and they have to put free stuff in it. <laughs> get a little chair. You'd I'm probably joking. do it for the bin bag, wouldn't you? Well, if it was a thick one. <laughs> Reusable. One. Reusable. Yeah, that's quite good, that, mate. You can come in. I cleaned all the poo off the lawn the other week. And I must say, I felt very connected to the earth while doing it. Well, you shouldn't was... have done it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in my rental accommodation where I'd been staying in London for a wee while and uh, it was AstroTurf out the back and I had to pick up all of Bear's stools oh. and I was watching them at various uh, various stages. What of... did you, what tools, what gloves? Uh, I just used kitchen roll and, and, and poo bags and uh, oh. scoop them up and then you have to clean the AstroTurf with a rag. I mean, it was very demoralising and I thought just the night before I'd been performing for thousands. I wish you doing that. Thousands I was performing for, yeah. thousands. Thousands. But there I was, down on my knees. You've got to be able to live with the high and the low in this crazy old world, Matt. You have. You've got to embrace the soil and the earth. While what does that feel like when you're doing something like that? Did you think... I was on stage last night. Oh. If they could see me now. Look at me. Did Lord, you lament so it or did you think this is good? I embraced this? it because I thought when I'm being annoyed by my whole family, I think every single member of this family I've willed into my life. My wife asked her to marry me. This dog, I actually, I remember the speech where I went, I want a dog, I want a dog, I'll look after the dog. The baby, we actually had unprotected uh, intercourse. We know how it works. <laughs> uh, now, in my tummy, I've got some special wiggly worms. Now, those guys, they know the lowdown on me. Now, they cuddle up into her egg bowl, and that's when little me come to live here, but it's Lady Me. He's a nice guy, though. <laughs> Don't hold that against him. He's got a bright future. He comes out belly worms. Okay, we've got an expert on the phone. He knows all there is to know about artificial intelligence. Now, if he don't know it, it ain't worth knowing. The fella's name's Oscar Schwartz, and that's his name, all right. And uh, I don't want to hear another word on the topic. Now, Matthew, if you'd be so kind as to give me all of my special files, what are you using? Thank you, dear. Now, we can get on with the interview. Oscar Schwartz, he's on the line. He's a writer. He's a researcher. He's in, is he really in Australia? Yeah. You are kidding me. Wow. We've got a man on the phone And in a Australia, teacher. And he's a teacher. Are you there, Oscar? Yes, I am. Oscar, are you all right, mate? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not bad, mate. You know, just trying to get on with life the best we can. Now, Darwin is one of the few places in Australia that I've not had opportunity to thoroughly explore. Would you mind telling me exactly what you're doing there? I came up here because my partner got a job here, so um, I just followed along. You just followed along because of bloody love. Now, you're writing a book on what it's going to mean for us humans to be eventually replaced by more complex machines than us. Will you tell us what the thrust of this book is, please. I'm not a technology guy. I'm not a programmer or anything. I'm actually a writer and a poet. Um, but I'm interested in the idea of artificial intelligence and, and I'm actually interested in um, basically the feelings that it brings up in us. Um, and I think one of the feelings that it brings up is the idea of being replaced. Yes. Um, abandonment, like fear, of... like the psych. So you're interested in the psychology of AI and what it's going to mean to human beings to feel sort of obsolete. Exactly. I'm I'm interested in the, the emotions associated with being replaced, and yeah, like fear is definitely one of them, and that's kind of 
commonly associated with being replaced as workers. You know, people think, how am I going to make a living if a robot takes my job? Do you reckon it's going to happen though, mate? Sorry? Do you reckon it'll happen though, mate? They can't replace us, can they? Not the old robots. I mean, how could they ever run a show as deftly and expertly as we have been doing for the last hour and a half? Now, we may not be Hamish and Andy, and that's because Hamish and Andy, I think, have already been replaced by robots. Australian robots. They can never write a poem, can they? Well, Australians can't. <laughs> or Australians. Well, <laughs> that was a joke, I Australians, think, but I that was G who said that, Andy. not me. I think Hamish and Andy might have been robots to begin with. Yes. That's, an, that's another matter. But They're just too perfect. Um, um, for sure. Like, I did a, a little experiment um, when I got a bunch of computer-generated poetry and human-written poetry and showed it to people and very hard to tell the difference, actually. Also, with the robots, like they can get the the brains are obviously there. The AI is getting more and more powerful exponentially, but the legs don't work very well, do they? So they could never really kill us all. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There's a, there's a saying um, there's a saying by this guy Hans Moravec, who's a roboticist, and he says um, when you're making robots and AI, the easy things are hard and the hard things are easy. Right. So you can get it. Uh, a computer to play a chess game at an expert level um, with, you know, these days that's quite easy to do, but getting it to um, pick up a glass and hand it to someone without, you know, smashing the glass on the floor or whatever is, is quite difficult. Like the basic motor functions that we just take for granted are very, very complex cognitive processes. Now, listen, I feel like um, let's talk about your thing called The Honeymoon Stage, published this year by something that's called Giramondo. Now, what is this book called The Honeymoon Stage that you've written? Uh, it's a book of poetry. Um, it's not written by robots. It was written by me. The whole book and, full of poems? Um, every single page. Have you got one there? Because we're trying to raise and, the cultural bar. Uh, yeah. Poem. Poem. I'll read one again. Go Come on, on, Oscar. Artificial intelligence, if you want. No, no, no one. Oscar. I have one about short artificial one. intelligence. <laughs> short one. Yeah, just a short one, a couple of lines, you this know. One. You get the idea. Come on, Oscar. Uh, What's going on in Darwin? Find it. Oscar. Oh, doing, a robot mate? would have done it by now. <laughs> robot would have had that poem done. Would have cleaned the bloody windows and picked up all the broken glass. Come on, Oscar. Oscar. Uh, Oscar, for God's sake. We were told you were Australia's yeah, biggest expert. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are you doing in there? Well, I Majesty, your late father and I had a keen interest in evolution. And every pancake day evening, we would slither out of our bunk beds, nude as babes, and rush out into the pantry where our grass skirts were stored. We'd fling them round our waists and then, like hula girls, sprint onto the croquet lawn, kicking up croquet hoops with the nubs of our toes, our toenails cracking in the moonlight. Then, once we spotted one of the family pets, most likely a dog, a whippet hound underfed and moist of eye, your late father would grip him by his front forepaw, beneath which there is an ancient chamber, and take from out the cleft of his buttocks a vanity case, and I, knowing all too well what would follow, 
would lock eyes with my compatriot and companion and hold the beast down by its ribcage, its undercarriage exposed to the moonlight, and with a knowing look he would take an emery board from the vanity case and pinch back the skin of the offending appendage and then begin to file very briskly at first, most briskly, ma'am, most briskly indeed, and then slowly until a flat edge would emerge, and there within the flatness glinting would be a cross-section of honeycombed shells, some with a larvae within, others with a pod, possibly of mouse eggs, and we would watch as they glistened in the moonlight. <laughs> now where is your poem, young man? The first 15 minutes of a science fiction movie. Good. Go on then. You arrive in a, and you arrive in a new suburb on a Saturday afternoon. The people are gathered at the football ground where the local team is playing. At half time, you start telling people that you are artificial intelligence, escaped from the lab. A few of the mothers listen to your story while they lean on a balustrade, but when the second half starts, they tell you to be quiet. The local team wins the football match. In the team rooms after the game, everyone is huddled in a circle. You push your way into the middle of the room and say in a loud voice, I'm artificial intelligence, escaped from the lab. The footballers, who are an average age of 16, laugh. They ruffle your hair and slap you on the back. It is at this precise moment that you begin to plot the downfall of the human race. I love it. I love it. That's the bloody best poem we've ever had on this show. But to tell you the truth, a lot of the previous poems have been a very low standard yeah. indeed. I liked it. It was, no, it was haunting. Good. It was, good. It was yeah. comedic. It had atmosphere. It had mood. It had everything, Oscar. And that is why we are supporting your book called The Honeymoon Period or just Honeymoon? Honeycomb. 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 <laughs> What's it called again? Honeymoon. Honeymoon stage. The honeymoon stage. <laughs> Thank you, Oscar, for coming on and giving us Thank some you, rare insight. Well done. That was absolutely excellent no contribution. Thanks for having me. Bye, mate. Thanks for coming uh, there. Take yeah. care. Well. Well. No. Well, well, you well. How dare you well, turn you to me? You asked a question. A fellow poet. Neil, in the world what? Of a fellow <laughs> poet. I've got to stand by him. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're killing no, him. You no, you attacked him. You got him. offended by the thought of robots taking your yeah, job. You became petty and you're like They won't react to news stories properly. Yeah, you're a petty-minded ninny. <laughs> <laughs> you're a small-minded fool. Ned Ludd. <laughs> you Luddite. You're Let a Luddite. These... You're a bloody you, Luddite. You. What did I do? I thought I did well. I mean, he's in trouble, but you. What about? You are in disgrace. <laughs> no, not disgrace. After my... He had to sit through. <laughs> like an hour. I mean, he's not obviously a fan of the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even bother to process it. He just said, oh, here's my poem. And you can hear... <laughs> As you're doing it, you can hear him flicking through, like trying yeah, to yeah, find yeah. the poem, yeah. getting more flustered. He's thinking, well, he let Russell really do his poem, <laughs> his weird poem. <laughs> I think it went rather well, and I think we're all a little more blessed. Disrespect starts from the piece of paper I was handed. Mm. Oscar Schwartz, it's all spelt wrong, mm. AI Theoriorist. Oh, God. I mean, it's all misspelled from the beginning. It's like it was... I was by... foaming at the gams to interview him. Why do foaming you keep that? at the what gams. Are your gams. That's your thighs. Let's just have an advert and we'll talk about it in the car. Russell Brand Radio. 
Max. Unless I'm very much mistaken, Cooler Shaker were on a minute ago. Now, Matt, you've noticed that people keep going missing, and the reason is because they're upset with you and your low-quality questions to some of the best experts in Britain. Time now to raise the cultural bar a bit by reading a book what I got for myself, Myths of the Hindus and Buddhists by Sister Nivedita, A.K. Gumaraswamy. Oh, Krishna, when I see my kinsman thus arrayed for battle, Gandiva falls from my hand, and my mind is all a whirl. For I do not long for victory, O Krishna, nor kingdoms, nor delights. What is kingship? What is pleasure? Or even life itself, O Lord of herds? When they for whose sake kingship, pleasure, and delight are dear, stand here arrayed for battle, abandoning life and wealth. See? Don't take things too seriously. Oh, dust flew out of that when you slammed it, it shut. Did, it's a it? proper old book. Ah, it was, a lovely it? gift from a Lo- thoughtful young chap. Of kind young man I used to know. I've got loads of them. I've got two bags for a pound. Where are your big book bags? Well, they're at home. I didn't want to carry them all in. You're foaming I'm going to drip feed them gams, to you. aren't you? About your that. Where have you heard You're that? You're foaming at the gams. Well, that's, a bit, that's a country saying about bulls or something. <laughs> It's not. I'm the inventor of it. There's so many things. I'm a very good inventor, as you know. Right, let's see what I've got on my list of things to do in the radio show. Criticise Matt for the way that he actually is inside. All right. What did you think when you were on stage and you looked down and saw my little face? I saw you, and thankfully you were there with your wife, so she takes, she dilutes your presence. I actually felt that you were constantly with me on a circuit of my consciousness, so the whole time I thought, Matt is here, but it didn't disrupt me like on the previous night. Now, when, say, Steve Coogan was there the night before in Brighton, I'd just say, ah, oh, there's Steve Coogan there, then i cut it off and continue. But with you Because what, there, it would put you off? Yeah, and I don't feel like I would be running on the same strand as everything you're doing. It's like when you were like my thing about being lent a book. I think of that person all the way through it. You do, don't you? So when you're there, you'll think, I wonder if Coogan laughed at that joke. Oh, I wonder if Coogan's Coogan. going to the toilet. Coogan, come back, Coogan. Coogan! All I was thinking was, don't point me out. Don't, because when you I come in the audience, it is quite scary. It is, isn't it, when I come down there? Hey, though, when, I mean, you, I mean, you say that, but like when you're oh, sat in the front row by accident, a few things, and you just can't relax. I was once at Little Britain, and like there's a bit where Matt Lucas as Vicky Pollard came out, and I, the fear, I felt like I actually might do a poo in my pants. I was so scared. That happens when you're happy. I know, I know. Luckily, I kept the gams clamped. <laughs> Hang on, that was the time that you were in full lingerie and David Williams pulled your clothes off. Oh, yeah, I remember that Which now. was embarrassing because you were in full lingerie. <laughs> no, you were, it was part of the show, weren't you? Thank God he didn't do it during the show. Waited yeah. till I was back in his parlour. Uh, yeah, that was, no, it was part of the show. Maybe I went and see them another night. I just remember seeing the performer, the initial that, Matt Lucas, and feeling very frightened. That's weird because, like, obviously most people feel that, but as a performer... You're off or you're on, aren't you? Yeah, that's you are. right. So it's like, oh, don't come talk to me. But the other Russell who does the show, if that you were in that sense. mode, you'd be like, come and talk to me. Get here. Why have I not been in the show thus far? Give me that microphone. Yeah, because uh, like when I'm off duty. You're dog poo picker up a Russell. Yeah, I'm dog poo picker up a Russell just there. Don't in talk this. to me. I've got poo in my hands. Oh, <laughs> if I want to touch me, mate, not with that all up the my side. dog's not been well. Bunsen. <laughs> <laughs> right, so what have we got coming up later in the show? Nothing, because it's basically it's over. That's the end. Oh, I mean, no, I'm not ready. ready. I've got a lot more to give, guys. I've got a lot more to give than that. I've got a lot more culture. Your poppy hanging off a necklace all upside down like a drunk poppy. Where's the respect? I honour them. I honour those that gave their lives for us to have this freedom, this freedom that we used to be very, very silly. But I think that's what they would have wanted because they were mostly good lads and lassies, normal people, the vast majority, ordinary working people, fighting, fighting. 
for our freedom. Now, there's plenty of things coming up. We recommend that you listen to the podcast. We recommend that you love us blindly and from the pit of your guts. Communicate with me on my various social media outlets. You communicate with Matt Morgan on Instagram. The reason I don't communicate on Instagram, Matt, is I only go there via, uh, uh, via a third party in case it gets sucked up into the madness. Now, I've got, in case any of you are wondering, thank you, Neil, what gams are, there are three gams in English. The original meaning of gam, it could mean mouth, but it could be related to a Scotsworth, meaning gamp, which means eat greedily. It also sometimes comes up in noir crime novels of the 30s and 40s, and it could be uh, drawn from the behaviour of whales, because, ah, the gams. I like the word gams, don't you? I like you? it, but I thought it was the thighs, but it's obviously yeah. something like the gums. You were foaming at the gams when you saw me. <laughs> the gams. But have you made that up? Have you heard it? No, I made it up. It's good, isn't it? It sounds nice, foaming at the gams. <laughs> well, that's been another week of flawless radio. Now... Uh, you can send your Sony Awards directly to me, or you can conduct some sort of ceremony, and, and me, Matt, and G will attend if we're free that day. Uh, but now, to summarise things, unless you've got something to say and you've got nothing to say, no, Gal's shaking his head. Oh, we've got nine minutes. Right, listen, oh, so here I, comes nine minutes of ball-breaking entertainment. What did your son say? I, we were in Wagamama's, <clears throat> yeah. and we were all eating, and it was quiet. And then, I mean, he's five, and then it was really lad. quiet, and he suddenly shouted out, in a real moment of sort of angst, when will I be a man? <laughs> it's like really weird. He's sick of being a child. He just sort of, it, was, uh, it made me think he was an adult trapped in a child's body. Suddenly he had a moment of clarity. Yeah. The way he said it was like, when will I be a man? I know how he feels. Don't you remember being a kid when you were me and I was laying on the bathroom floor and I was thinking about going on holiday with my dad and I was thinking the me that experiences the holiday will be the this me that is on this floor now experiencing the experience of laying on this bathroom floor. floor. I was down in the dumps. I was down in the dumps. I was right. on the fl- the bath mat that's by the side of the bath. You know, the right, pink yeah. one fringe around it, like Dougal a bit. The little like tassels on it. Yeah, that's him. That's him. I was down on that and I was thinking, when, where is the me that will be on the holiday? Where will this me be now? What is the nature of self? So, I, and like a bit like that lad there earlier from Russia who thinks he was in Mars, like, you know, is he attuning to some different kind of consciousness? Because we temporarily alloy our identity to our physical form. But anyone who knows anything about spirituality will say the consciousness itself that's experiencing it through the senses is only temporarily at best attached to those ideas. So maybe your lad there, Coco, some ancient bit of him's just going, when would I be a man? <laughs> Don't I be in Wagamamas with these goons? But, he, um, but we tried to answer it, and I was like, yeah. in 13 years when you're 18, and then Katie was like, nah, that's not really? a man. You're not a man when you're 18. And we sort of settled on 30. 30? He's got ages. You're a man. She was like, you're not a man till you're 30, really. I'm a man. I know. I mean, biologically, you're a man at 18, I suppose. Yeah. So like, so you said to him, uh, about 30. What do you think he... What do you think he meant by a man? Authority, power, completeness? Well, kids have that thing where they sort of, they go on about their age. And when will I do this? And when will I be? They're they're very forward looking, aren't they? They don't go, I miss being three. Yeah. No, they don't. generally. They they stay very much in the present. No, they want to get to the future. Oh, they want to be in the future. Well, I think it's because there's lots of prohibition of things. You're not allowed to do that. You can't sit there. You can't touch that. They until you're, and they say that the adults can drive cars and do stuff like that. So I mm. think the worst thing is that um, was it the, the, the roller coaster rides when you're yeah too, when you're not tall yeah, enough. That's bad. I was never tall yeah. enough. Oh, come on, that's the film Big. That's not even your actual life. You're remembering. Yeah, it's all the up film for you, big. you great lanky. Yeah. <laughs>
giraffe Probably of a tall boy. All the time. I was a tubby little beach ball as a boy, wasn't you I? When I was tall, at Grace Fair. You were tall. No, not before puberty. I was just a portly tubby boy. No one knew if I was a boy or a girl. What about yeah. when I was so down? If your, the, the, your growth, if it's sped up, you sort of like went into a cannonball. A cannonball. Yeah, that's it. Okay. It's like I was I was huffing myself up with hormones and then growth. shot it out of a snorkel. <laughs> like, but what about when I'm down halfway road chip shop and then I've been talking to that bloke all that time and that bloke goes, "All right, let's see you later, in love." And he thought I was a woman the whole time or a girl. That How year. old were you? About fourteen or fifteen. A crucial juncture of my life. Oh, because I had long hair, didn't I? I was feminine, weren't Lipstick I? Lipstick on. Lippy, just all that. Finished kissing him. All smushed up round me. I'll see you tomorrow, love. Love? How dare you? I'm a man. I'm a man. I was sort of doled up like Ronald McDonald. Here's an email here from someone calling himself Laurie the Fifth or Laurie V. We just don't know. Love, love, love the show. And wanted you to know that you are making people laugh hysterically in their cars, even way down here in the most southern part of this state. While Texas, that's the state I'm referring to, has a reputation of having some unusual folks, most of us are just normal people trying to get through the work week and your show is a little break from the daily grind. Thank you so much for making us laugh. Except for that fellow on the show, name, I think he's something like Matt Morgan. He should be annexed behind a glass panel no she didn't say that how are they Especially listening to it in texas is it on digital uh, radio or, or podcast could be on podcast the podcast, podcast is good could be a podcast right. or it could be listened again by the way my favorite episode so far was the dna episode i laughed so hard i nearly wet my drawers <laughs> well hello texas now we're talking super ted a spotted <laughs> man from outer galaxy i'm foaming at the games at this oh. one foaming at the games by the way russell's dna combo is definitely the best lol just kidding fellas you're all fantastic examples of great dna combinations that's laurie the fifth from texas thank you for that there's another one here from someone calling himself remy because remember we make this radio show for you now i know it sounds like we make it for ourselves as a sort of catharsis for an ever-rolling, endless ocean of gurgling green mental illness. But no, we make it for you as well. Matt, you going to contribute? You going to contribute? To what? Anything. So <laughs> this is from Remy. In the last podcast, you guys, you say you'd like to know about places that have tried utopia. Ask John Jordan, an English bloke. He made a film documentary about different groups of people who've tried it all over Europe called Paths of Utopia. He's currently living in Zad of Notre Dame des Landes. These experiences aren't perfect, but that's the point. Just try to... That's French. Read it in French. Zad of Notre Dame des Landes. These experiences aren't perfect, but that's the point. Just try to own one's life back and finding love and joy in it. Also, check out Ronald Crayer's book on the subject in the US between 18 and 100 today. I don't know what that means. Look, Remy, you know thank you. what Notre Dame means? Yeah, Our Lady. Oh. Gartid. Or you're going hunchback. <laughs> Don't that mean hunchback, don't it? No. And also, they secularised that after Bastille Day. Instead of it being a cathedral for our blessed Lord, they bloody went and secularised it because God and power was, were so closely allied. <laughs> Why do you love God so much? I love him. He's done a good job creating the old life and consciousness. And I say hats off to the fella. Chloe here. Goes, hello, Russ, Matt and G and all you other people what work here so hard. Except for Neil, whose bookings seem <laughs> to be of a challengeable quality. Not properly prepared or briefed. Bless you, bless you. And that was just a, a little match girl that comes in here and sells a box of matches every week. 
About the Australia comments last week, the one thing I will not and cannot abide is the assertion that Australian food doesn't entirely wipe the floor with English food. Yeah, you may be superior in culture and history, but the one thing we have that we will not be beaten on is our food and coffee. You are undermining the message of that. <laughs> Ridiculous I, accent. I say this as a chef that's worked in England. The attacker is out of old-fashioned and lazy. Look, you're, they're attacking England. That's where you go in England. Can I just say, they wouldn't even be in Australia if it weren't for us. We wouldn't even have one. Well, they if, would be, wouldn't they? We didn't make the land. If we hadn't given them our off-cuts, there'd be oh, nothing no. there. You know the off-cuts, the criminal off-cuts, the bread knickers, the bread knickers and the moaners and the whingers. Off you go! Off you go! You should have nicked that bread then! It shows that um, criminality isn't, like, genetic, though, because otherwise it would just be a big crime island. Well, it is, isn't it? No, it isn't. Come on, mate, you've been there. They're crooked! Yeah. Oh, look at them! <laughs> They're not. They've all got cut-off trousers on. They're rubbing their hands together. Crafty. They're rubbing. Rats with wings. <laughs> oh, I love. Apologise straight away. I apologise to your ticket sales are dwindling pigeons. over there on your next tour. I'm going to Australia. I'll be there soon. Now I'd like to take this opportunity to say Australia is God's own country, and you're a good bunch, and you've not been tied down by a class system. Well done for that. Well done for that, guys. Yeah, <laughs> tickets available on oldrussellbrand.com because I am coming to Australia. Where are you going to go? Probably soon. You're going to come. What, to Australia to Come see Come over, you? we'll do some radio shows. It'll I'd be brilliant. To, yeah, I would fun. actually like it's that. It'll be great, we'll all go, we'll all go. Who's going to fund it? We need going to need corporate sp- I ain't paying, mate. <laughs> 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 you better nickel off a bread. <laughs> Get yourself sent over there. All you need to do is hang a bit crookety-wook. That's it. Sail over there, so we'd have to do that flight. Sail on silver have a, How long is there a cruise to Australia? Australia? It'd be lovely. <laughs> Ten years. It doesn't no. take that long. It takes 48 hours, and it's perfectly nice if you're in the right bit of the aeroplane. I prefer the bit that's near the front. There's a bed 48 in it. hours what? on the aeroplane? That'd be so silly. Of course it is. Is it? Was it? That's no, about 22 hours. Stop off in Dubai Airport. Nice waterfall on one wall. Very nice. Very nice. I think a lot of people, sadly, tragically, was killed in the construction. Not on your Nelly, I didn't. Now, that said, I once did a road trip through the bush in Australia and asked where a restaurant was. This is Chloe, whose email we were doing some time ago. They told me the servo's good. Turns out the only restaurant in town was a pie warmer and a beer fridge behind the petrol station counter. That's your Australia, Chloe. A beer counter and a pie like these, warmer. These shows are going to be listened to by a, psychi- a team of psychiatrists. Mm. Look evidence for, trying to work on. out what actually happened. Right, so the, the there, there was a sign. There was a sign. Not demise, the flourishing. Not death. I mean, you're not no, you're just gibbering away <laughs> saying for anything that comes into your head. So what? You've got to trust your impulses, haven't you? Have you? Did you? When did they? Now, what could be a better way than to wrap these things up than <laughs> with some poemizers? Now, I know a poemizer, and this guy, I've known him some time now. We met ages ago. And here comes a poem, what he's made up, from listening to all of this stuff. James Taylor's been there in the corner, and only half of him is dead now. Please enjoy the poem by Mr G, everyone. Woo! Okay, this, this poem is called Present, Past, Future. The quarrel between the ancient and the modern leaves fingerprints lost in time. Some view the present pyramid's peak, some see a glass panel that underlies. So what lies beyond our Martian skies? Under the poor can we surmise that a serpent's flickering tail squirts ancient squid ink to symbolise. But let us sing the body electric as we let Siri theorise. Deep blue outthinks our chest moves, Stepford wives outlive our lives. Thus unlike the ancient and the modern, to take us back to the first time, foaming at the gams together, reaching <laughs> forward to tread backwards in our minds. Woo! 
Come get a robot doing yes, that. Yes, no robot. Show me the robot. Be a very clever robot. You'd have to be a very handsome robot indeed for us to let go of G. After all, he's just done for us. After all, he's just done for us. When I was a boy at school, I did occasionally answer attention. Now, I've only happened a few times, and I'm sorry to the ants and the people that saw it, and it won't happen again. What do they now, taste like? Delicious, delicious little nitwits, little gritty treats, little gritty treats. Find them on the sort streets. Attention to that game because that couldn't Negative have been like attention. status. They couldn't have been like here. This guy's pretty cool. He eats ants. There's that boy that'll eat the ants. I'll do it. You know, just stand here and order. Oh, not again. Here, oh, a ladybird. I'm coming, stag beetles. See him on Sports Day. See you next Sports Day, everyone. <laughs> but before that, there will be an advert, and after that. Gordon Smart, and following that, Bruce Grubbiner. <laughs> Russell Brand. Radio X. Well, what did you make of that then? This is the back. Which is the back? Okay. We're both eating, that's disgusting. Yeah. Gee, just talk about culture for a bit. Um, Graham was good. Graham mm-hmm. Hancock was good. Good to, good to hear him do his thing again. He's a, uh, I liked his book, Fingerprints of the Gods. He's beautiful, uh, isn't he? Hear him key. I don't know if he's... Beautiful, beautiful. I like to think of him as wearing a dressing gown. Very fine material. Very fine. It's only just long enough, the dressing gown, to conceal his reproductive organs. When he go, bends down to pick up his slippers. He does a little bit of coach gruff. No. He might do and he goes, blow up the back of it. <laughs> blow it back in. <clears throat> Why not? Why not indeed? Hairy ass crack? Not... Oh, no, not Graham. Not Graham. It's Paul Coop. Now, listen. A celebrity Subterranean pasta... chamber. <laughs> celebrity pasta <laughs> demands... That was very childish. Celebrity pasta... Yeah, I threw my paper in the bin. I celebrity pasta demands footage of him reviving parishioners' pasta. erection. You've got to say that so it doesn't sound like celebrity pasta, like food. Celebrity pasta... As in religious... ...demands man. footage of him reviving a parishioner's erection to be aired on TV. A televangelist who allegedly used the power of prayer to revive a parishioner's erection is demanding his handiwork be shown on TV despite it being branded pornographic. <laughs> South Africa's Soweto TV refused to air the footage because during the ceremony, the man immediately used his newly found virility to have sex with his grateful wife in front of the film crew. Incredible Happenings Ministries leader Paseka Mboro Motosoning is now planning a march on the station to protest about his weekly show being canned. Pastor Mboro said, Thabsile came to my church a while ago and complained that although she was blessed with three children and recently got a promotion at work, she was sex-starved because her husband suffered from erectile dysfunction. I went there, entered their bedroom, asked them to put their hands on their private parts. After that, I prayed for them and the husband immediately regained his erection. Now, we're going to be discussing this. If you want to contribute to the debate, just do that in your own house and uh, just pretend that we're listening. He might, be, he might be the new Jesus. No way. Or the bloke's a bit gay and liked it. I reckon... <laughs> Open and shut cases. Open and shut cases. Some people are aroused by the presence of a vicar in a lovemaking context. Yeah. So that vicar was there. I mean, to tell you the truth, I'd lift anyone's marriage, wouldn't it? A vicar in the corner of the room praying for things to go well. (laughs) Who wouldn't be foaming at the gams at such a sight? Who wouldn't feel stiff as a board? Who wouldn't? Tell me, Matt. Are we not men? We're not robot poets, are we? Are we? Oh, what about when robots start having sex with women better than real men? Oh, no well, way. That's, You'll lap them. That's, that's, well, that's it's already happening, isn't it, with some of the appendages? Well, they're going to rub a winkle under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, there's your rubber uncle. Rubber uncle moves daddy's all alone. down to a nub. 
<laughs> Paul Strodderful Daddy, Rubber Uncle does that. You can get Rubber Uncle to take the bins out. You can get Rubber Uncle to raise our child. You can get Rubber Uncle. Have you ever had um, erectile dysfunction? Of course I have. How? I've never had it. I'm suffering from it now. <laughs> well, you shouldn't want to have an erection now. I've told you about this. It helps me to get through the show. What caused it? Drugs? like Drugs, love, passion. Love? Anything. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, when you sort of... So what love. is this thing you humans call love? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Look, mate, let's not get bogged down in all that sort of thing. Not when we've got a celebrity pastor to discuss. Now, what do you think's going on, mate? You're not interested? You're not interested? This is just bonkers. Well, he touched someone's willy and then he filmed it and then he got in trouble for it. And he wants to be, he wants happened. the film to be aired. That's like that's the weird it's, bit. It's proof of his well, he thinks it's proof of his powers, but <clears throat> frankly, nonsense. But Let's get to the real stuff. Let's get to the real good stuff now, guys. Look at the robots. Robots are now cracking puzzles that only humans should be able to solve. Their intelligence, uh, you know those things where it says uh, like online to and prove that you're not a human. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's they can now bee. crack them. Robots can. So what? That ain't that hard. Yeah, but that, that's the thing. You that I is do it every the week. thin end of the wedge. <laughs> yeah, thin is end it? of the wedge. I bet you don't even crack them half the time. They are <laughs> quite tricky, aren't they? <laughs> oh, is that a capital M or a little M? Oh, now what's a kicky curl and a curly curl? Oh, I don't know these. Yeah, see, that's that's scary, really. Well, no, it isn't, because it's only the way of you saying, you, you told me once that a human brain will recognise a, a house, even if it's a mouse house or a human house or a door in a little bloody skirting board, what a mouse what goes in. What are you talking about? I'm firstly. saying the concept of house is Don't identifiable. Don't that nonsense to me. <laughs> the human brain will recognise a house if it's in a skirting board or a mouse house. <laughs> Why would I ever have said that? Because there is a concept concept of house that can be iterated across yes, various but th forms. This is the thing. This is not what so you're not getting. The robot will be programmed to recognise it, right? Mm -hmm. But it my will. little mouse house. Yeah. It will see door, window. It's a house. It won't matter. Going in house. This going is what in they're mouse saying. hole. Finger in mouse hole. Finger in mouse hole. <laughs> oh. Go on. What's your point? The point is... They're getting more intelligent, and then once once you give them a certain amount of intelligence, they start to be able to learn. Yeah. That's when they'll overtake us. What I'd like to know is what exactly have you got in your mouse hole that you're so ashamed of, Mr. Morgan? How many times do you forget things, like your postcode? Because you've lived in loads of places. Never, never, never. Right? Information that you've got access to in the morning, you might forget in the afternoon, just temporarily. Mm -hmm. Our brains aren't perfect. A robot will never forget anything. I'll stop worrying about the robots. I'm not worrying. Week, I'm trying to make you worry because you're arrogant. I'm not worried about them. I've got nothing in my mouse hole to be afraid of. There's nothing in there. I don't mind the robots gathering around it. There will be. Every winter. I suppose your job will be very hard to be replaced by a robot. I find it hard to replace They've got dignity. <laughs> Gunship. No, it's true, though. You're all right. Oh, Moby, yeah. show us your knob. Oh, Moby, show us your knob. Why won't Moby show us his knob? Why won't Moby show us his knob? Oh, Moby. Moby, coming up on the show next week. Will he be? No, not after that. No. I'm just going to piss him off. Putin will, though. What's going on with your bees? Nothing, What do they mate. do in winter? It's winter. They shut right down, don't they, Neil? They're supposed to. How's he know? Neil knows about the bees. His dad's a beekeeper. He's got a bloody great turret of him. His dad, eight oh, meters yeah, in the sky. Now. It's yeah. like the Tower of Babel. Bee Babel. So what do they do? They just go to sleep in winter? Yeah, they just nap. Or die. Stay in the hive and 
cluster around the queen to keep her warm. Cluster for months around the queen. Yeah, keep her warm. That's you right. opened it and looked in there while yeah. they're doing that? Well, is that what they're doing? I go and have a chopstick and poke them about. So, look lively, lads. Come on, <laughs> chop, chop. I woke up a tortoise once far too early. Did you stick <laughs> anything down its leg hole? What leg hole? When they withdraw their legs in. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was um, my first girlfriend had a tortoise and it was in the shed. And me and my mate went around there and said, come on, get the tortoise get up. Get it out. It was far too, it was about wake February. Oh, right. oh, no, Matthew. We got it out of its, it's thing February. and it didn't want to wake up. And then um, it started walking around the garden, but you could it, I don't think it helped the tortoise's health at you all. You are describing the opening title sequence of One Foot in the Grave. <laughs> I don't think those events happened to you. I think that is Victor <laughs> Meldrew making his way. This is fucking nonsense. What is going on in it? <laughs> Mad, it's always it's just, this it's always like, like this. this ain't new. This is just You just might be drivel. It's more madness. I'm just eating my salad. <laughs> Don't you dare! Don't you dare just eat your salad. Downloading Ruby this. Wax is downstairs <laughs> crying her eyes out. Why is Ruby Wax downstairs? Because to do Under the Skin, my other she's podcast. Him. You should see our... She's scraping the barrel now, aren't you? <laughs> she's, she's a mental health expert. She got bloody OBE last week. Did she? Of course she did. OBE or an oboe, I can't remember. The point is this. That podcast, if you want to hear a professional podcast, listen to that one because it is professional. I go on there. This week I'll be talking to Ruby Wax, who's campaigned for my skin. <laughs> or should we be talking over? Did you see someone saying that thing under the person. sink? Did you see that? Thing? Yeah, what's that about? Uh, like someone, <laughs> someone made a thing called Matt Morgan under the sink. <laughs> it's like be a better podcast than yours. What is it about? All right, I'll be your first guest. Go on, do your podcast. Right. Let's hear it then. <clears throat> I am eating, but pretend I'm not. Unprofessional. Bad start. Hello and welcome to Matt Morgan under the sink. This week, <laughs> what's that? Don't coughing choke. Of coughing. No, see, that's unprofessional. Yeah, but I'm the guest. It's not my fault. You're not the guest. I'm your first guest. I'm talking about Sif. I'm talking about sponges. <laughs> talking about a plunger. I'll play a part. I'll play right. another part. And this week, on under the sink. sink. Under the sink, sink, I'll be talking to my guest, Russell Brand. Hello. Who is an expert on Sif, having used it <laughs> as a fake seaman to trick his mother into thinking he was older than he was. <laughs> it's a tragic story that always comes up because I just don't understand how his mum, a woman of the world, <laughs> could, un could think that a grey, gritty paste that had clearly been squirted out in about a pint around the toilet <laughs> could think that it was semen. But well, she did. I'm going to have to stop you there, Matt, because um, it, it wasn't to make myself look older than I was. It was just to infer that even at the age that I actually was, that I was producing semen. Grey, powdery, gritty semen. semen that Gritties. cleaned the toilet, cleaner than it had ever been. And to a, a zesty quality, all round the rim, all germs killed stone was, dead. I think this was a... <laughs> integral part of your life, the Sif moment. <laughs> I do. I think there was a Freudian element to it. There, there certainly is. I mean, and it, when it didn't just, it didn't stop there, Matt. I went on to spray Mr. Muscle all, all, all around her. Tell him again, Mummy. Come, come. <laughs> all in the knicker drawer, Mr. Muscle, and I just stood in the corner of her room, repeating the phrase, "I love the jobs you hate. I love the jobs you hate." Again and again. See, this is already better than your. It's a good fans. podcast, this isn't it? Riveting. Very, it's riveting stuff under riveting. the. Scene with Matt Morgan, everyone, available on what? Uh, there are some people asking me to do my own podcast. Don't say that. They're humouring you. They're being <laughs> polite. They're Why would they be polite out of, like, nowhere? Why would they, out of the blue, be polite? Right. Unless I, I was I a very tragic person. I didn't want to tell you this. <clears throat> Here's a letter written in 2001. 
This is from a Mr. Bob Morgan and a Mrs. Sue Morgan, written to the chairman of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. They managed to write it in a book about Buddhism. That was I think about they, their production values were ago. very high. Very high production values, the Morgans. Now, sadly, they didn't pass it on to their son. Dear Make-A-Wish Foundation, we understand <laughs> you do things for very damaged, very nervous, very sweaty, very silly little boys. We've got one in our garage. It's called Matt. Could you pretend to give him a career just to give him something to do, take him with her hands and that for the next 10 years? We know it won't be easy. It hasn't been easy growing him, which we did in a specialised pod in the garage that he's in now. He's not a normal boy. He's connected up to tubes. Will you help him? Russell. And here's my response. For you, Mr. and Mrs. Morgan, I am prepared to make him an intern at MTV for a while and then give him a job for many, many years, tolerate his claptrap and hypochondria up to date. I probably would never reveal this to him, obviously, Mr. and Mrs. Morgan, unless he is so ungracious and rude and bringing up my sif again and again, my powdery squid ink in his own podcast, then I will lash out kindly. Call your mum now and ask her if she remembers it. She's having chemotherapy. Last thing she wants is... Well, cheer her up. Well, I'd... we'll give it a try. <laughs> I'll ask her later. She's, she's exhausted from oh, the right, chemotherapy. Don't do it then. It's a bad time. Dragged down at memory lane. All right, coming in. Should we end this? Yeah, we should have ended it a while. We'll ago. try it again next week. Three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're, on, we're, on a, we're only on a we're on a David Moyes style weekly contract. We'll just issue it. They oh, just boy. yeah. They're, they're reviewing the situation. All right, well that was a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you liked it, we'll try and do another one. If you didn't like it, we're so very sorry that we're not good enough for you. And if you're so great, do your own podcast. Matt Morgan does now. It's called Under the Sink, and you just heard it. It was absolutely Where crap. are the window people? Yeah. The the glass why panel. Why are there no one behind the glass panel, Jen? And why did no you disappear there. for ages? Look, there's been health and all right, well bye then, bye. Look. Yeah. And what's <laughs> wrong with you? There's better be people behind the <laughs> This man sees the world through a bizarre kaleidoscope of illogical wonder. Radio <laughs> X. So that's the sort of thing I do to distract you when I say something unacceptable. Russell Brand. <laughs> Radio.